Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. We are concluding this wonderful series playlist tonight. And I hope this series has done for y'all what it's done for me. I hope that it has helped you find the sacred in the secular. Because I've really enjoyed this series for that reason. Um, I don't know if y'all saw this, but I asked all of our pastors to put together playlists of some of their favorite songs. I asked them to pick five songs that they love, five songs that that mean a lot to them, that um, kind of describe who they are, so that we could post them on social media and promote this series. Uh, And so you probably can't see that, but... There, it, it, we've got some eclectic pastors, let me tell you. Uh, you've got John, who loves Elton John and Dolly Parton. Uh, you've got Dr. Judy, who uh, loves Garth Brooks, which I did not expect. Um, it's, it's a big mix. And uh, when I got to do mine, to decide my five songs, it was this really cool experience. Uh, it, was, it was almost like a spiritual practice for me. Because I wanted to pick five songs that meant a lot, five songs that described me, but also five songs uh, that, that, I don't know, I have some sort of history with. And like I said, doing that, going through all of my music, ended up being kind of a spiritual practice. And so I, I recommend that you do this if you get the chance. Go through your music on Spotify or Apple or whatever you use and find those five songs that mean a lot to you. Uh, these are my five. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, Go back and look at them. Remember what they mean to you, what they meant when you first heard them. Uh, like I said, it, it's almost prayerful and meditative to do this. Uh, and I learned a little bit about myself. I learned that I am a sucker for a sentimental country love song. Really any love song, but especially if you had a steel guitar and some southern twang, I'm just done. Uh, and so again, uh, I hope that during this series, you've gotten to that same experience that I've gotten, kind of seeing the sacred in the secular, seeing that God speaks in all sorts of ways. And I hope that you have seen him particularly in these four songs that we've done over the course of this series. And so you remember week one was Philip Phillips' home. And we talked about the Israelites as they headed into exile and how God speaks to them and says, make this place, this new place that you find yourselves, make it home. And then the second week, we, we heard uh, Coldplay's Fix You. They did an incredible version of that. It made me cry. Uh, and we saw the Israelites as they left the exile. And God is speaking to them, I will be here. I will fix you. And then last week, I wasn't here. I was baptizing my nephew in Little Rock. Uh, but uh, I know that y'all got to hear Love Without End, Amen, by the king of country, George Strait, one of my favorite artists of all time. Uh, And tonight, we we ended with quite a bang, I would say. Uh, Bruce sang for us Simon and Garfunkel's Bridge Over Troubled Water. Uh, This this song that you heard, Bridge Over Troubled Water, it was by far the number one song in our poll. Uh, We asked all of you, we asked the congregation, what song do you see God in? And of the 334 votes that were cast, 5% of those votes, almost 20 votes, we're for Bridge Over Troubled Water. Uh, the next, the, the second place was Love Without End, Amen, and it got half as many votes. This was by far the most popular selection. And it makes sense, because Rolling Stone named this song as the 66th greatest song of all time. 
Uh, it's been covered by legends. People like Johnny Cash, uh, people like Aretha Franklin, even Elvis has covered this song. Elvis has a, a wonderful rendition, actually. Um, so many of you sent this song in and you said that you see biblical wisdom in it. And after having spent this whole week with it, I could not agree more. And I think we're gonna see a really strong connection between this song, the idea, the heart behind this song and our scripture for tonight. So if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and pull those out. We'll have the scripture up here on the screen. We're gonna be in the Gospel of Mark tonight. This is Mark chapter four, verses 35 through 41. Hear the word of our Lord. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great gale arose and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased and there was dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him? It's a wonderful scripture. You may have heard this scripture referenced in uh, worship music before. You may, have, uh, you may just know this scripture. It's a popular story about Jesus calming the sea. So Jesus and his disciples are traveling, and they're headed out to do ministry. And they're traveling from the Jewish side of the Sea of Galilee to the Gentile side. They're preparing to go share the gospel, to, to teach people about who Jesus is and what he's about. And Jesus takes a nap. He falls asleep on the boat, and, and while he's asleep, this great storm comes and it starts to rock the boat, and the disciples freak out. And they wake Jesus up, and they say, dude, do you even care? Are, do you hear us? Do you care that we're about to die? And I love what Jesus does. He, he calmly gets up, and he calms the storm, and then he asks them an important question. He says, why didn't you think you'd be okay? I'm with you. It's a really important question that Jesus asks. Because the disciples found themselves in troubled waters very literally. But with them, they had a bridge over those waters. The greatest bridge there ever was or ever will be. They had God himself in the boat with them. And yet they didn't even realize it. And I think this is us sometimes. We go through hard things and we find ourselves in storms and we freak out. And we rush around panicked, wondering how we're going to make it through. Which is why I think the first lesson for us tonight is to be a people who find our bridges. Find a bridge. See, the disciples had already found the greatest bridge of all, but they missed it. They took it for granted. They, they were so focused on the storm around them that they forgot about the one who commands the storm being right next to them. Or as a pastor buddy of mine uh, once said when preaching the scripture, uh, the disciples let the storm around them 
become the storm within them. That was good. I had to steal it. The disciples let the storm around them become the storm within them. And I love that because I can relate to that. Sometimes when I'm going through something, I forget to look around and find my bridges. I forget to look for people who support me. And it takes me a little while. Sometimes it takes me all the way to the breaking point until I just give up and stop trying to do it all on my own. And countless times when I've been in storms, it's taken someone stopping me and saying, peace, be still, breathe. It's going to be okay. I think we all need those people in our lives. We need people who will be our bridges when we're in a storm or, or struggling or doubting ourselves. I watched a, a mini documentary on YouTube this week about the making of that song, Bridge Over Troubled Water. Paul Simon, who is the one who wrote it, tells the story. And one of the things that he shared was that he wasn't even entirely sure about this song after he wrote it. Uh, he said it came to him pretty quickly, and, and he had a sense that there was something special about this song, uh, but he didn't really know what that meant. And so he took it to his partner, Artie Garfunkel, and, and to his, his band, and uh, they went about producing it and putting it together. And, and again, he was sort of unsure of how people would respond to this slow gospel tune, because it was so different than anything else they'd done before. But he said what really shook his confidence, what really made him sort of doubt himself in the song, was when he sent it off to have strings added. Paul met with a guy named Ernie Freeman, who was putting together the orchestral stuff behind the song. And when they met, Ernie handed Paul this. This is Ernie Freeman's arrangement with the title that he thought the song had. He thought that it was called A Pitcher of Water. Uh, Paul Simon, they showed this, and he said he actually still has this framed in his home. Uh, a pitcher of water. Uh, well, they went back to, to keep working on it, and, and again, Paul Simon wasn't super confident about this song. I mean, the guy doing the orchestration didn't even know the song's actual name. So he thought, this, this song must not be that great. Uh, well, his friends, uh, as they were still working on it, told him that he needed to write that big epic ending to the song that we just heard. Sail on, silver girl, that kind of, that crescendo at the end. And he told them no at first. He said, this is just a little hymn. It only needs to be a couple of minutes long. It's not even going to be really popular on our album. We'll just tuck it in there. Nobody will even notice it. Um, Luckily for Paul, he had found good bridges in his life. And his friends and those record executives and his band convinced him that he was wrong. And not only that he was wrong, but that this song was going to be the title of their album. And it went on to win several Grammys that year. See, they knew that it was special. They believed in him. They believed in this song more than he believed in himself. See, Paul Simon had found bridges in his life. And as he was crossing the troubled waters of self-doubt, doubting his work, they helped him get to the other side, and thank goodness they did. Thank goodness they looked at him and said, peace, be still, trust us. This is good. It's going to be okay. We need to find those bridges in our lives. We need to find those people. 
Because the truth is, storms are going to come. Challenges are going to come. Self-doubt is going to come. Those parts of life are unfortunately inevitable, which is why we need to find bridges. And we need to remember that that what the disciples didn't in our scripture, that all of us have the same bridge that they did. We all have Jesus. No matter how bad the storm gets, Jesus is always by our side, whispering, peace, be still. And sometimes it's hard for us to connect to that, but I promise you, this is as true for us today. It is as true for for you sitting here in the foundry at White's Chapel United Methodist Church in South Lake, Texas. It's as true here and now as it was for the disciples 2,000 years ago on that boat in the Sea of Galilee. We have found the greatest bridge of all. And it doesn't mean that we're not going to go through hard times. But it does mean that in the midst of those hard times, we don't have to be afraid. Because he is bigger than the storm. That's why we wear these bracelets. It's not just for good advertising for the church. We believe what it says, that God is big enough. God is bigger than the storm. And so whatever we're going through, we can see him still the raging waters over and over. And we can say, who is this that even the wind and sea obey him? Whatever storm you're going through tonight, remember that you already have the greatest bridge there is. You have a God that never leaves you for a second. You have a God who commands the storms to be quiet. The Greek in our scripture, when Jesus says, peace be still, the Greek there is is the same language. It's the same words that Jesus uses when he exercises demons. Jesus says, peace, evil, be still, be gone. Leave this person whom I love alone. That's our God. A God that is with us. We have him as a bridge. And not only that, we also have people all around us who are willing to be bridges. We have people who will support us through whatever storm we're going through. But sometimes we, for whatever reason, try and go it alone. But we shouldn't. We shouldn't be afraid to go and find our bridges when the storms get rough. We shouldn't be afraid to ask for support. Because oftentimes people will surprise you. I think so often people want to help. I saw something on Twitter this week. Uh, There was a young woman named Anna whose dog had recently died. And, and she used the service Chewy. I don't know how many of you use that, but uh, Chewy is basically a, a company that will ship you dog food. Uh, if you're super lazy like I am and don't want to have to go to the store and get dog food, uh, you can use Chewy. Uh, but anyways, Anna's dog passed away, and she reached out to Chewy to inquire about returning the dog food that she had sent to her house. And this is what happened. This is what she tweeted. She said, I contacted Chewy last week, to see if I could return an unopened bag of my dog's food after he died. They, number one, gave me a full refund. Two, told me to donate the food to a shelter. And lastly, had, the flowers, deli- had flowers delivered today with a gift note signed by the person I talked to. I love that. It's heartwarming. Anna told this random person at Chewy that her dog had died. And they showed her immense 
compassion. They went out of their way to see this girl through a storm that she was facing. And it didn't change the hard time. It didn't end the storm immediately. She still had lost her best buddy, and that is brutal. If you have ever lost a dog, I'm telling you, when my dogs die, I will not be here for several weeks. I will be mourning. But, uh, but here's what it did do for her. It reminded her that people are good, that it was going to be okay. From the moment that she heard those words, that she read those words on that page, that, that, that someone was kind to her, she heard, peace be still. And in a stranger from some random dog food company, she found a bridge. And I love that little story because I want to be like that. I want to be like that worker at Chewy. I don't want to just find bridges. I also want to be one. Be a bridge. That's the message of our song. That's the message of our scripture. It's not just to find bridges, but to be bridges. When we're going through a storm, yes, we need to find our bridges in our communities, in our friends, in our family, and most importantly, in our Savior. But we're also called to be bridges for others. This is a way that God uses us. We need to learn to lean on each other to give as much support as we receive, to really be one another's bridges. When I was growing up, uh, I went with my youth group several times to Heifer Ranch. I don't know if y'all have ever heard of Heifer Ranch or Heifer International, but uh, it's one of the nonprofits that is most dear to me. Uh, They help people in third world countries by helping them to establish farms Uh, So you can go on their website and you can purchase cows or goats or chickens and it'll be sent to someone in need and they can kind of start to produce uh, for their their families. Um, So they do wonderful, wonderful ministry. It's a great organization. But another thing that they do is they invite in youth groups to come work at the ranch. And then at the end of the week, uh, if you sign up, you can do what is called the Global Village Experience. And I want to tell you about that. Uh, The Global Village Experience is a kind of a poverty simulation that helps young people understand the realities uh, that people face in other countries. And the way that it works is your group is randomly divided into different nations, and you and your team uh, have to live in whatever nation you're placed in for 24 hours. Uh, And the adults on your trip aren't allowed to help you. They either have to be uh, elderly, and they can physically, or they can offer you advice, but they can't physically help you, or they have to pretend to be babies, which is the really fun thing to do if you're an adult leader and you don't say anything, and you cry a lot, and make a lot of, <laughs> make it really difficult, but you can technically help them with physical labor. Anyway, uh, so you're split into these different nations, and each nation starts with different things. So some nations have certain assets, uh, every country has different housing, there's different perks. Uh, for example, uh, here's a picture of Guatemala. Guatemala is the the fanciest one that you can get. If you get Guatemala, you get to stay in a small house with bunk beds. There's a small window unit with AC, and you get to start with a a little bit of food that includes chicken. Very bougie. Uh, If you get Appalachia, uh, this is another really nice one to get. You get access to unlimited firewood. You get a small cabin. There it is. Uh, There's cots in there, and you also get a variety of vegetables. Uh, So again, these are the nicest Uh, nations that you can get. The most difficult nation that you can get is the Mexican slums. Here they are. 
if you get to slums, you sleep on a dirt floor uh, in these tiny tin buildings, and your group gets two onions. That's your resource. Two onions for food. Well, I did the Global Village Experience three times growing up, and I got Mexican slums every single time. Three times in a row. They say it was random, but I feel like my youth director probably like slipped him a 10 or something. I was a rambunctious kid. Anyways, uh, and so you start with whatever they give you, and the goal is to trade with other countries. You try and, you try and just live for these 24 hours, make your life as, as great as it can be for, for those 24 hours. So for example, uh, China, which is a country, might trade some of the rice that they start with for firewood so that they can actually cook the rice. Well, every year that I did this, there would be these intense negotiations. Uh, sometimes countries would even try and steal from others. And the very first time I did it, no one would trade with us at the Mexican slums. Nobody wanted our onions. And so all that we had for those 24 hours was those two onions, and that is what I ate for dinner. Raw onion. Uh, and, and it took me three tries to get it, but there is a key to the whole experience. If all of the countries get together and combine what they have, you can make this basically giant chicken stir fry. China provides the rice, Guatemala provides chicken, Appalachia and Kenya provide vegetables, and the Mexican slums provide two onions. Uh, see, the key to the entire experience, the key to the global village was leaning on each other. If you didn't lean on each other, nobody got to have a full meal. Some got more than others, but, but nobody got to have a well-rounded, full meal. The key, when we were being challenged, was to support one another, to come together and be bridges for each other. And it took me three times in the Mexican slums to finally figure that out. See, when times are hard, we need to find bridges and we need to be bridges. That was the lesson of the global village, that we need to lean on each other. Because when we do, when we offer each other what we have to give, everybody is better off. And we can try and do it on our own. We can, we can lock ourselves away and not offer up what we have, but if you do that, you might end up eating raw onion for dinner. So ask yourself tonight, who, who do you know that is going through a storm right now? And how can you be someone that they can lean on? And if it's you, if you're the one who finds yourself on a boat in the Sea of Galilee being rocked by the waves, remember that you are surrounded by bridges. Remember that Jesus is with you and he is saying, peace, be still. Like a bridge over troubled water, I will lay me down. This song is the story of the gospel. That God looked at a world, that he looked at us, humanity, broken and in chains to our sin and our brokenness. And that's what he said. He said, like a bridge over troubled water, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to lay myself down. I'm going to give it all. I'm going to give my only begotten son for us. That's the good news of the gospel. 
So whatever you're going through tonight, what, whatever storm is ahead of you or, or, or you're in the middle of right now, hear those words, peace, be still. I will lay me down. Hallelujah. Amen. Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you. I thank you for for every storm that you have seen every person in this room through. Got hundreds, thousands of storms, thousands of of bad days, health problems, and conflicts. And God, we confess that every time we face a new storm, we forget. We forget to look for our bridges. We forget to find support in each other and most importantly in you. And so Lord, I pray a special prayer tonight over anybody who feels like they are in a storm, a storm of grief or addiction or anxiety or stress or anger. God, whatever storm we're facing tonight, remind us that you are the bridge. that you came to earth and gave your life to be a bridge. Lord, we thank you. We could never thank you enough for that, but, but, but tonight, the best we can, we, we say we are grateful. Lord, we love you, and we pray all of this in your son's name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.